Welcome to the Longevity Now podcast. It's news, it's views of life extension from around the world. Instant worldwide communication and digitization of information has created an explosion of life extension options. Lately, it seems every new treatment or supplement that shows an inkling of positive effects for human health near instantly spurs an ecosystem of entrepreneurs and clinics selling the product. One might wonder how many of the promoters of the new therapies are legitimate. Is the treatment safe and or effective? Are they angling for the greater good in the long run or just trying to make a quick buck? Here on Longevity Now, we have interviewed a handful of such entrepreneurs. And the latest is the guest of this podcast, Tom Ingolia, whose clinic works with NAD, among a few other life extension treatments. And now I would like to welcome to the Longevity Now podcast, Tom Ingolia, the director of the NAD Treatment Center in San Diego. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on here. Well, well the first thing we like to do in the podcast is to get a little background, you know, the Cliff Notes version of how you arrived at where you are at today. Well, I was a, a financial trader in San Francisco going that route, speculative trader doing quantitative trading, and I, and I got sick. And I got incredibly sick for a number of years. And the darkest moments in my life were going through this illness and sort of climaxed when uh, I, I lost half my family in a car crash instantly. And um, I just had this, uh, this dark night of the soul where I thought I would, you know, I had to figure out what, what was going to cure me. I finally wanted to really cure myself. I thought I deserved that. And that led me to NAD. And that was before it really took off as a thing that people talk about in, in anti-aging and longevity. Okay, and something else uh, Longevity Podcast uh, listeners uh, would be interested to know is how you found your way to the original Immortality Institute, and you, you have an account <laughs> there, of course, uh, and how that maybe informed how you ended up uh, with the NAD Treatment Center. Since I was very young, I, I was diagnosed with learning disabilities, and I've, getting higher brain functioning was something that I've always been interested in, and, and that brought me into some of the early uh, formations of the Immortality Institute or Longevity, and so I'd spent a lot of time on there looking at uh, nootropics, and a, a lot of my interests sort of spill over today. We have a brain doctor on staff in our clinic that does a lot of uh, work on problematic neurological issues, and we are also, soon we're going to be doing a Alzheimer's observational study using NAD and Bredesen protocols. So some of the inspiration of, of being in, in this forum has led me down a path to learn more about the brain. And, and, th and that's why I, it's, I'm so grateful to be on here because I, I have such a high opinion of all the posters and the collective intelligence of the forum. Okay, and with the NAD Treatment Center, of course, uh, its main goal, it seems, from the website is for addiction, but also you're looking at the possibilities of helping, helping with Alzheimer's patients. What is the main science behind NAD that leads you to believe that it will continue to be effective or that it, real, it has a real biological effect in people? Uh, some papers or maybe uh, some... Uh, are there experts that uh, you relied upon for that? Well, you know, for our Alzheimer's study, we're, we're using Nadie Brady is going to be our, our, 
our principal investigator. He uh, wrote the book on uh, NAD metabolism and, and neurodegeneration, and he's in a very uh, accomplished scientist in, in Australia. He also did some research with uh, James Clement uh, and Dr. Sturgis uh, with a nonprofit called Better Humans, where they were able to show that doing intravenous NAD increases uh, PARP activity and raises CERT-1 in the small study that they did. So PARP activity is, is essentially correcting DNA damage, and CERT-1 is sort of an indicator of CERT-2 activity in, in human beings. There's a lot of other stuff I can go on in terms of, you know, that there, there is a sort of link between NAD levels and age. It was uh, David Sinclair said in February 28th in Time magazine of this year, he said, you know, NAD is the, the closest thing we have to a fountain of youth, you know, and so the question is, the question is, is where does NAD as a, as a supplement or as an intravenous solution, where does, where does that fit into the equation? Okay, and I just want to mention for the listeners out there that we do have an ongoing discussion in the Longevity Forum, so uh, perhaps you could post a few of those papers or links to some of the studies uh, because it's probably too in-depth for us to get into in a short podcast here, so we can point to that in the future. Uh, but also, I just want to bring up the fact that I've been in the advocacy business, I guess you could say, for a long time now, and I've seen a lot of different types of supplements, you know, across the forum, across my social media feed, you know, and every time there's someone who says, oh, it's the fountain of youth and, and things like that, and then it turns out, well, it has a minor effect on aging, especially treatments in isolation. Is there any uh, scientific evidence that you've seen that says NAD is going to be somehow better or NAD is going to be somehow better or work in isolation and, you know, help people with some health problems? At our center, we're looking at an array, like a dozen plus uh, different therapies that we think are going to combat age-related disease and, and therefore aging itself. So that's not where putting our putting our eggs we think that absolutely a a, a multi sort of pronged ap approach not a silver bullet approach but a, a silver buckshot approach to aging is well, i'm in agreement with you i think a nad is i think is an amazing thing to have in the armamentarium and hopefully as science unfolds it's going to it's going to show that and speaking of science, and you mentioned that uh, it has potentially some therapeutic value for age-related disease, are you testing uh, any of the people that come through the clinic for biomarkers of health or aging, uh, you know, generating a database that might be useful uh, for future research? So this is something that's in the workings right now and something that we're going to sort of unveil at RADFest in San Diego. So that's a that's the radical, I don't remember the, the, acronym, the acronym, sorry. But for listeners but, out there, it's coming up it's, this September in San Diego uh, from the 20th through the 23rd or something around that range. Uh, right. A couple weeks That's after exactly Labor right. Day weekend. Yeah, and it, it's definitely a conference suited to this forum, and I hope to see you guys there. And what we're doing is we're going to unveil a number of different aging clocks so that you can get a better reading of potentially of what your biological age some of these are really new and they might have some sort of controversy so the i think the best idea is to really just as get as much data as you can on 
the various different forms of aging clock. So, you know, we have like skin elasticity meter and we want to do it. I don't know if you've heard of the Horvath clock. Yes. Uh, we'll be we'll be using that as well. I mean, that's that's really sort of gotten a lot of attention recently as a as a valuable aging clock. Um, there's other clocks that, that we're still thinking about. I'm <laughs> my science is not as good as my. Uh, I, I'm more about the, the management level, so I have other people that have to explain things to me. But needless to say, they think that we should we should collect data about what people's age is, and uh, and that will be very valuable later on, and and we can see what is doing what. So, okay, Tom, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of the treatment center, your particular center there. Some of the listeners wanted to know what kind of price a person can expect if they wanted to do a NAD infusion or NAD if infusion? Well, if someone's coming in for, let's say, fatigue or they, they want to be, they, they want to do something healthy for themselves, and, and that's, that's assuming, I have to say this, NAD is not an FDA approved for anything, and I am not a medical doctor, and I'm not trying to treat, uh, treat or diagnose or, or be a medical doctor in any way. And it's, uh, you know, your mileage is going to vary in spite of what you may hear about other people's results. But uh, as far as price uh, for our treatment coming in, it's uh, $1,150 a, a day. And if someone, let's say someone's very healthy, let's say they're in their 50s or 60s, that might be five or six days of treatment consecutively for an eight-hour period. What's the basis for the number of days of treatment? Uh, what is what are the benchmarks? It seems kind of arbitrary to just say four days of treatment, seven days of treatment. Uh, how did you set that up? It's <laughs> that's something that you know experienced trained doctors talk about, and it, there's an art involved. And NADs, the, the NAD is is often used in conjunction with other ancillary therapies. And so you know, depending on a person's inflammation, what's going on with them, the prescriptions that they're taking. It is, in fact, that the dosage is is pretty dynamic. So you know, it sometimes runs from from one day to fourteen days of treatment. Okay, and then it seems as though you're focusing on people with some serious health problems, whereas a lot of uh, podcast listeners are just using it to feel better. NAD, uh, and they might take it orally, or some people have developed other you know methods uh, with deribose included or maybe DMSO to uh, do transdermal uh, NAD. What are the differences between what you're doing and what other people might be doing on their own? Well, we are currently looking at an NAD test so that we can really see what exactly is happening. But a lot of the times it's based upon feel. And if it, if you feel, (laughs) at least for me, as like, we have NAD uh, nasal spray, NAD face cream, body cream, uh, NAD patches, uh, NAD subcutaneous injections, uh, NAD pills, and we—I mean—we sell the nicotinamide riboside. I happen to to like the NAD subcutaneous if I'm not doing the IV. IV seems to be the gold standard at at this time in terms of of what to what to use. So, but as we move forward, we might find out a little bit more about what's going to be more effective. So it seems it's slightly risky at this point. You're an entrepreneur of some sorts using, um, you know, you know, a treatment that's new. So you don't have, you would say, true 
hard well, protocols well, as far as well nad infusions has been used probably since the 1950s i did there not know that there was patent and FDA approval in the 1960s. It was purchased by a pharmaceutical company and then, and then, and then shelved. There's a long sort of cloaked history of NAD. That's quite, it's, it's quite fun to talk about the history. But yeah, it's been around for a very long time. NR has been around for, let's say, five years. But there's a lot of great evidence that NR is a, is a great supplement too as well. So I think that I personally like the NAD therapies and think that there's a, uh, what I suggest is try both of them and see, see how you feel. I think you're going to come around to, to the way that we do it. And you mentioned briefly earlier, Alzheimer's, the potential Alzheimer's research that could occur with NAD infusions or NAD treatments. And a podcast listener also asked about that. Uh, do you have some research to quote or provide later uh, that indicates that it could be effective against Alzheimer's? There's a stack of papers that, that my researchers have <laughs> that they point to that I could, I could post in the forum that might be indicative of, uh, of that. And, and there's a lot of scientists that are looking at Nady Brady. He spoke at our conference uh, NAD Summit 2018.com. We're going to be having another summit as well. We can start selling those videos to the public along with uh, if people want to attend the next conference. If there's a doctor that wants to uh, start using NAD in their clinic, it'd be a great conference to go to. So at the last conference, Nady talked about you know how it could be applied to multiple sclerosis and vascular dementia as as well as Alzheimer's. There was some presentation on on some some very N equals one sort of anecdotal case studies that weren't published where there was, there was a good response with Alzheimer's combining that, combining Bredesen protocol with NAD. And so that's really led to the inspiration to us wanting to study that. Okay, and we briefly touched on the cost earlier. I just wanted to ask you uh, a business type question. You know, $1,100 a day for an infusion treatment, of course, is pretty expensive for most people of modest income who might want to see some of the benefits of NAD. Now, you're a finance background. You uh, have some business sense. Uh, will economies of scale bring down the cost of NAD itself or NAD treatments in the near future? Do you see that uh, happening in the next year or two? Yeah, I think we're going to see the, the cost fall. Um, I don't know what exactly that looks like. I was just talking with my friend Mark Erdahl yesterday, and we're doing, we're doing young blood. We're doing hetero, heterochronic uh, plasma exchange in our center. And, and, I, and I asked him, like, how can we bring the cost of $60,000 young blood therapy down because no one can afford this. And it's just something that unfortunately we have to deal with because uh, for a number of reasons, it's just, it's, it's hard to come up with a new therapy and, and then bring the price down. So I think we're going to see the prices fall in the future, hopefully. And that's, that's what I'm working on doing. And I just want to remind everyone that we weren't able to delve into any of the deep science behind why NAD might boost uh, your health biomarkers or combat several diseases. But we do have an ongoing discussion uh, in the Longevity Forum where Tom will be able to post some references there. And also I wanted to plug RadFest again as a conference where you can go and meet a lot of people who are at the forefront of various uh, treatments for age-related diseases. Diseases, and that's coming up in September. 
Tom, I would like to thank you very much for appearing on the Longevity Now podcast. Okay, thank you very much. And I hope to see you at RadFest. A lot of early Immortality Institute members have moved on to be leaders in other life extension endeavors. Some have started biotech companies. Some have started careers in peer research. Others have founded advocacy organizations. Tom is trying to affect the future of rejuvenation more directly through speculative treatments on human subjects. No matter your opinion on the expansion of biohacking, we are sure to see more of it in the near future, and no doubt we will cover it from time to time in the Longevity Now podcast. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.